Welcome back to In the Dark, everyone. I have back with me tonight Robin Haynes McRae, who has had lifelong experiences with basically every cryptid and supernatural entity out there. Um, E.T. abductions, I mean, you name it. It's become a very normal part of her life. And I also have with me the director and actor and producer to the movie Holes in the Sky, the Sean Miller story. His name is Ash Hamilton, and he's also a very dear friend of mine. And I had the opportunity to put the two of them together, and we had such great fun talking. I really enjoyed this. It was great fun. Robin had um, watched his movie and had remembered that we were friends and contacted me, and she wanted to talk to Ash because she had had some experiences that she had witnessed in the movie that she had seen and you know she connected to it and she really felt the need to be connected to Ash and discuss some of it so I put the two together and we had a great discussion about all this stuff so it's it's some pretty pretty good stuff I hope you enjoy it I want to mention to you guys that I'm going to leave the very beginning of the episode in there where we first connect um, on the call because to me I just I found I was laughing when I was listening to them they're just were just so fun together and I just wanted you guys to hear some of the craziness of it all so I'm going to leave the very you know opening part in that I would typically edit out because I just thought it was kind of a little element of fun to it so here we go guys hey you hey. can you hear me yeah can you hear me yeah it told me it wouldn't let me on unless i put it on a microphone though oh. i was okay. like okay i can do that so <laughs> put it on a microphone so if it doesn't work i'll do it again without it i'm gonna see if i can message him get him on here too yeah, if not, what I'll do is text me his number and I'll call you guys on a three-way conference call. Okay. So. I'm going to try. I'm going to see. Hang on. Because he already, he got on once and I couldn't, he couldn't hear me at all. I couldn't hear you. When I got on a minute ago before you sent me the last one, it yeah. played all this music and it said that I would be on as soon as uh, the others had joined the party. <laughs> Ash, are you on? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, did, I I could hear you the last time, but I <laughs> you couldn't hear me. It was you know I was on for like two seconds, and then my uh, my connection went, which is weird because that never happens. <laughs> Wait till you hear when Tracy and I talk; everything shuts down. It, it's constant. <laughs> it's constant. And I don't have like she doesn't have this problem with anybody else, and neither do I. No. I don't know what it is. Like I did Marty's show last night. It was a two-hour show, and it mm-hmm. was on Streamyard, so it was live. I had no problem. I did a podcast uh, for Scarycast on Monday night, no problem. I have no problem yeah. with Dave Scott's show, Duke's show, no problem. Tom Cordos, all these other ones I did, and never once does it even blip. Yeah, but every time you and I tell you and I talk about really deep stuff. Yeah. Like I, I told you, you I had gotten everything and it, you know, they don't like us well, talking. So. The thing too is like, 
I, you know, you and I get talking and I tell you stuff I don't put out on any other podcast. (laughs) Right. You know, and we already know they watch me. So, so Ash, this is Robin. Hi, Ash. Nice to meet you. Good. This is Ash. And I'm basically here as an observer. She has been wanting to talk to you because of your movie. Well, here's, here's the thing. This was so comical to me because. A year ago, I think it was almost, I want to say an estimate of a year ago, Tracy said to me, I met the coolest guy. His name is Ash Hamilton. You know, he's got all this stuff going on and he's turned out to be a really good friend. I really want you to meet him. And I said, okay, no problem. And she brought it up two or three times, but then we just, you know, life gets busy and you get never thought anything more about it. I had no idea the movie was out. Didn't know anything about it. And I'm going to, I've been abducted my whole life. So this is like not anything that was shocking to me, but my son-in-law and my daughter live with us temporarily. And he Mm -hmm. came down and he said to my husband, I just watched the most amazing movie. You have got, you and mom have to watch it. It's called hole in the sky. Mm -hmm. And Pat's like, okay. So he bought it off of Amazon or rented it. And he came in, he's like, listen, we need to watch this movie. Ryan was saying how good it was. I said, okay. I don't normally watch a lot of it because I live it every day. Right. And the same thing with all the cryptids and stuff. And so unless somebody points it out and says, this one you really need to see, I just don't. And I watched it. It was sending off triggers in me throughout that whole movie. Like that would trigger me where I would like start to hyperventilate, then it would be okay. And then there was the part where the brother had vomited this stuff. Right. Yeah. That (laughs) I almost died because of an ET attack. And what they pulled out of my lungs was this black tar type stuff. They had it tested and they sent it to labs, I guess, all over the country. I don't know which labs they sent it to because my records disappeared within a week after it was done, after the results came back. Mm-hmm. And they had nobody knew what it was. The same thing happened when they took things out of my uterus because I had been DNA tested. I had had fetal implants, all that crap. And it caused a lot of damage. And so when I saw that, I looked at Pat and I said, I know this is stupid, but I like, I really, and at this point I hadn't seen the ending yet. And I said, I feel like I really need to talk to this Sean person because there were things going on in that movie that made perfect sense to me. Mm -hmm. Like it really made sense to me. And like that being that was behind the tree that glowed. Yeah. I have a photo taken in my backyard of a being that's cloaked. It's not glowing, but it's the same shape head and eyes as what that was. And, you know, I've got all this footage and stuff. But anyway, and I said, I just feel like something's telling me I need to talk to this person. So we watched the whole movie. Now I know that this is what's happened. And Pat said, well, is it a true story? And I said, it says right there, they even took polygraphs after it. And I said, I wish I knew how to talk to somebody on this show to find out. Like, I know I've met Travis Walton before. And I know that even with his true story, they distorted a little bit for, you know, public viewing and that kind of of thing. Of course, yeah. And I said, I really just want to know what parts are real because not the whole thing didn't resonate with me, but some parts definitely did. And I said, you know, I was just really curious about it. And I said, God, I know that name somewhere. Like, I know I've never met him, but that name sounds familiar. We're driving into town and I went, oh, my God, that's Tracy's friend. 
<laughs> so, so I messaged Tracy and I said, is your friend Ash Hamilton? Yeah. Yeah. And she said, well, yeah. And I said, you know, I don't want to be intrusive. In fact, first of all, I, before I talked to Tracy, I messaged you on Facebook. So if you have this crazy person that messaged you, that would be me. Yes. And <laughs> not, I was not that like, I thought you were crazy, but, but that I know it's you. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know, and I felt bad because people contact me every day. Like I work with literally hundreds of people with experiences with all the cryptids and the ETs and all these mm -hmm. things anything paranormal I deal with. And so I know what it's like to be bombarded all the time. And I kept apologizing in this message. Great. I am so sorry to bother you. Like I really, I felt horrible. He just needed me to mention threesome and he was okay with this. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a simple creature when it comes three to way. I'm sorry, Ash. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was three way. Hey, now it's a party. Okay. <laughs> now it's I'm a party. Sorry. I didn't mean to add that in there. You guys, I thought it was funny. Well, at least we got the elephant in the room out of the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now it's party time. Oh, no, so, no. Here's the big question, Ash. Are yeah. you wearing your sexy underwear? <laughs> He's got his Christmas ho-ho ones on. If I'm wearing it, it's sexy. <laughs> That's what I go with now. I told him we'd all be sitting in sexy lingerie since it was uh, virtual. So <laughs> I, I could get him here, Robin. Yeah, but... Like I said, Ash, I am really sorry. I'm not trying to be intrusive. Oh, no, no at, worries at all. at all. I just, I've lived she it since questions. I was a toddler. I've, I've lived it since I was a toddler. Yeah. And the stuff that I've gone through, the things I've went through, I mean, I've got pictures of some of the stuff. I have video footage. You know, it's mm -hmm. not, you know. You should Tracy, her. That, that UFO sighting she had in her yard the other it was like, I don't know how many months ago it was. This is fantastic. It's been I mean, almost a year. Yeah. MUFON flipped out about it. They went crazy. And I don't deal with MUFON very often. I, I have mm -hmm. friends that used to work for MUFON, but I don't because the government's after me all the time. And I know MUFON, they pick up stuff from them. And so I try not to deal with them. But my son-in-law didn't know. And he took the footage. We were all out on my front porch. I don't have to go out in the woods or do anything. I mean, I just have to be there. And <laughs> it's all in the backyard. We should go visit soon. <laughs> in fact, you know, Pat just came in here a minute ago, and he's like, I'm in the living room, and there's freaking faces looking in the window. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, he's like, well, I don't now, know whether I Robin, you said you had questions about that black goo, though. That was the one thing that was did, really yeah, hitting hard. Yeah. Did they ever test that, Ash? So did they do a, any a lot type of, of what you see in in the film is is recreations of events. As far as like pertaining to Sean, is stuff that I've either experienced or that I've I've gleaned from another experiencer. Okay. And we recreated it. Okay, that's what I wanted to know, and that makes sense. You know, like I right. said, when Travis and I spoke at a conference. Mm -hmm. The same one. I was talking about the cryptids as well as the ET phenomenon and everything. And I had talked to him and I, I looked at him and I have, the, I have a lot of really crazy abilities. At why? I don't know. And I can look at something and if it's been altered, regardless of what people look at it and see, I can see what's really in there. If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Like these hybrids that they have that are half, you know, where the ETs have taken possession of people. I come in quite handy with that because I can pick them out like crazy and I looked at Travis and I went oh my god he's got EHE DNA in him and so we were talking he was in the um, sitting at the table across from me selling his books and stuff 
And I asked him about it and he looked at me and he said, how would you know that? And I said, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> I mean, what else can I say? And he said, they actually did. He said, I, I thought all my friends are weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> hey, my tribe are all weird. I don't hang out with normal people. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm here for, I'm just the, the comic relief you here. You better tonight. be here. Just don't mind me. Yeah. And so I, but I said to him, I, he said that, you know, they actually did. He said, I actually saved his life. That was why he lived was because they had done it. And he was very unhappy because of the changes they had made in the movie and stuff. And I mean, I get it. You're, you know, you're trying right. to get this information out, but that's really what I wanted to know. I mean, what parts were real and what parts weren't, so, or if they uh, all are real, is it just from somebody else or so as far as the like the the, the black goo stuff goes um so i i've had a, a lot of sleepwalking uh, like a, a, a fugue state sort of issues ever since it was it was a very young child when i was a freshman and sophomore in college um i was we lived off campus um, in a, a part of town that was on the very edge of town. It wasn't as uh, congested or claustrophobic as the rest of the areas of the town. And um, I was prone to, to sleepwalk to, to the point where no one even really knew where I was going. I was leaving our apartment and I was doing something, but um, I would come back often. And I, I, I was somewhere where I wasn't putting shoes on, so I would, I would come back filthy. Um, and it got to a point where I was just seeing like residue uh, on my pillow, on my sheets. Mm -hmm. And I, I had no idea where it was coming from because I, I couldn't see it. Unlike in the movie where you can see it coming out of his ear. When, when this was happening to me, I, I had no idea where it was coming from. I would go to sleep with a, a clean pillowcase or clean sheets. And I would wake up and sometimes it would be uh, like black tar Sometimes it oh, would boy. be um, a, a maroon, almost like a, a darker blood red. But mm -hmm. I, I, I never knew exactly where that was coming. The way I was seeing it when I woke up would have dictated that it was coming from me. You know, it was usually where my head was at on the pillow. But I, I never, there was only one instance where I, I woke up and, and there was some on me none of the sheets and it was just all over my hands it wasn't yeah. uh, like coming from orifice my nose or mouth or anything it was just all over my hands so that was something that i took and you know for the purposes of the narrative a lot of what happens in the film is based off of things that happened you know over the course of the last you know 40 plus years um and i just sort of wove them into a bit of a tighter narrative Right. Uh, for the film. So all this stuff is based on your events? Or yeah. is and, it... And a few, um, a, a little bit like uh, from, from Terry Lovelace, who I talk to quite often, um, and some other experiencers that, uh, you know, wow. I had just run into over years, but um, right. a lot of the significant events in it were, or things that were mentioned were things that happened in my past, yes. Now, is Sean Miller an actual person? No. No. Sean okay. Miller's, um, I, I guess, would be more, more closely associated with the stuff that I was going through. Okay. But um, we sort of mixed up a few names and 
you know, did what we could. To right, right. That's a fantastic film. It, it really Thank is. Thank you. Thank you. I wish more people would put things out like that. People, like, I've been contacted by the ETs. I've talked to the good ones. I do healing work um, on all the cryptids. I've done healing work on the ETs, the good ones. I refuse to help the bad ones. Um, I've had several attacks by them. They tried to attack my daughter one time, and they didn't survive it. Um, I've worked with the Bigfoots. I work with the all the cryptids I work with, and Mm -hmm. they've been teaching me and training me for various things my whole life. So this is like my normal. This is my everyday normal. Right. My last abduction was in May, and it wasn't – it was very traumatic, but they didn't hurt me. In fact, I actually didn't feel – like they were the negative ones. I mean, it, it was just the way they did things that was traumatic. I wasn't in any pain. But like mm-hmm. Pat and I have woke up. I have a triangular shaped bruise right now. Nobody knows why it's there. It just appeared. And I've had like these long spindly bruised handprints on my thighs and on the inside of my legs. Mm-hmm. And when they took me in May, I was wide awake. I knew it was coming. I, I read energy. I do energy work. And about two that afternoon, I had felt like I was going to come out of my skin. And I told my husband, I said, they're out here. I know they're here. It's going to be a rough night. And he's like, well, I'm right here, you know. And I said, you can't stop them. I know how to because the foot's taught me. But I I don't, you know, I say that I know how. That doesn't mean it's always going to work because you're always going to find somebody that can work their way around it. It's just the way it is. And, but I said, you know, I'll be all right. Well, then about eight o'clock, this big flash of light flashed in the bedroom. And Pat was awake and he's like, I'm staying awake. And I said, you've got work tomorrow. Just go to bed. Really? I'm okay. I was wide awake when it happened. Like I was wide awake. And next thing I know, it's five hours later. I felt like I had been drugged. My cell phones were gone. My tablets had been moved. My slippers were gone. I was disoriented. I didn't really know what was going on. And Pat had gotten ready for work. He walked in the bedroom and I'm standing up and I'm like, I don't understand any of this. Like my phones were damaged, um, scratched up, cases were broken, you know, slippers were thrown all over the place. And he said, look at your clothes. And I said, what do you mean? He said, look at your clothes. And I I said, yeah, I got pajamas on. They were on inside out. The bottoms were, Mm. the top wasn't, but the bottoms were. And it, it was just, it wasn't that part that set me off so bad. It was, in that time period, like I have missing time that happens all the time. That's not any big deal. And I don't panic about it because what are you going to panic about? You don't know what happened. Right. Like there's nothing to freak out about. It's just not there, yeah. but it's just missing time. And I've had that happen with the, the cryptids. I've had it with the ETs. This was different. This was, I literally did not exist in that time span. Like where they put me, where they took me. I have no idea. I remember being on ships. I remember conversing with them when I was four years old and you know different times throughout my life I didn't exist and it's such a different feeling than the missing time and that literally was so traumatic for me like for for about three or four days and normally when they take me after the fact like I've had been outside with the the Bigfoots and all of a sudden a craft has come down in the yard and then it's missing time and it's hours later And then I'm like on autopilot for three days where I I say very little. I go through all the normal motions and I'm like screaming in my head that something happened, but I can't verbalize it. And then after three days, it wears off and, you you know, you go back to normal. 
this was different. This was absolute panic because I never thought it would be that big of a difference from a missing time to not existing. Yeah. And even the violent attacks from them, this has been more problematic for me than the rest. Like I said, I've had DNA taken. I've had fetuses. You know, I've had all these crazy things that sound like I'm nuts. But then if I'm nuts, why do I have witnesses? Right. <laughs> you know, but what they did with me was Pat and I had were dating at the time and he had come over to the house and I was making dinner and he's very telepathic as I am. And he was laying on the couch. He was half asleep. And it was like he overheard a, this conversation with these aliens. And he heard them say, as soon as he goes to kiss her, it will go into her lungs and she'll be dead shortly thereafter. And we don't have to worry about it anymore. I know why they're trying to kill me, the bad ones. And I know why the good ones help me. But he had heard this. And mm -hmm. so he got up and he's like, listen, I'm not kissing you the entire time I'm here. This is what I heard. I said, I'm fine. I promise you I'm fine. Like I have Bigfoot guards all over the place. You know, it's okay. And I went up and I kissed him. Within an hour, I was so weak I could hardly stand up. And I had just had a physical like on Thursday and chest x-rays, blood work up and everything and talked to the doctor on Friday. Everything was 100% because I do have health issues and that's what I had gone in for. Everything was 100%. So now this is Saturday. Sunday morning I got up and I was so weak I couldn't walk. All I wanted to do was sleep. I wasn't coughing, didn't have a fever, no symptoms. I just wanted to sleep. And Pat lived in Indiana. I lived in Michigan. And he said, I'm not going home. And I said, yes, you're going home. You got to work tomorrow. I'm fine. I'm just tired. So he went home and he told my daughter, I don't want you to go to school tomorrow. Don't leave her alone. And I just thought I was so tired. I didn't care. That's all I was doing was sleeping. Mm -hmm. And I had a mini pig and a collie that would alert me to seizures. And they were going crazy. And I thought, this is stupid. I'm not having a seizure. And finally, one of the Bigfoot said, listen, you're in trouble. This is bad. And so my friend that works with Pat and I on all this cryptid stuff, um, as far as the, we do work for the, the cryptids, got hold of healers. I said, because I told him, I said, I got hold of Pat. I said, listen, just get hold of Wanda. Tell him I'm in trouble. Okay. I'm in big trouble now. If the foots are telling me I'm in trouble, I take that to the bank. Mm -hmm. So they got me. My friend took me to the hospital, my daughter and her friend. And I got in there and they checked me over and they said, we're calling in a crash team. Your heart's ready to crash. I said, what are you talking about? Like I was a hundred percent. I just had all these tests done. They put me in intensive care and they said they didn't know that I would live. And I said, there's nothing wrong with me. Like what is going on? I just want to sleep. And I've got all these spirits standing over the top talking to me and I can't hear them. And that's never happened. I mean, I've been speaking tele telepathically and speaking with spirits and all these things before I could talk. Now I can't hear them. This is a problem. And the doctor came in and said, listen, we are going to do everything we can, but your lungs are completely full. We need you to try to cough this stuff up. We don't know what it is, but now you've gone sepsis. And I said, that's not possible. I just had all this blood workup done. There's nothing wrong with me. What came out was like black tar. It literally looked like black tar. And I knew when the healers got there because the doctor had just left and he said, if we can pull you through this, you're going to be at least six months in intensive care and six months in the hospital and physical therapy. I was out of intensive care in 12 hours and home in less than 24. Mm. And so I was like, okay, now I'm home. I'm weak as hell, but I'm home. 
the, the right. test all came back and they said they had not one lab that they sent it to could identify what this stuff was at all. And when I got feeling better, I contacted the hospital and I said, I need the name of the labs to have that checked. My files had been erased. It was like I was never even in the hospital. Hmm. And the doctor said, you know, we would have sent it to these labs. I contacted those labs. They had no record that I ever existed. Right. And this has been predominantly what's happened throughout my life on everything. Ash, have you ever had, did you, are you still having any kind of abduction issues going on at all or anything where you're having sleepwalking or feeling like you're still having any, you know? Uh, I I have continued sleep issues and uh, continued night terrors. Um, it, 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 Sometimes we'll go away for brief periods, uh, months. Um, I think the longest maybe was about a year. But um, no, I, I I still again have episodes, but um, I don't know what to attribute to those episodes. Some have been uh, very plain, very obvious, and mm-hmm. and others I'm I'm not so sure. Uh, the last three years. Um, the level of strange, lucid dreams that I have has, has escalated to the point where I probably have two or, or three a night that I can remember. Most of them now are where I'm not me. Okay. Um, it's extremely rare now that I have any dreams where I'm, where I'm me. Any dreams of like ETs or crypt and anything like that? Like, there have been some. There was, and, and these range and, and are extremely, extremely bizarre. Um, some of them take place here. I, I mean, here by, you know, Earth, this planet. Some of them take place other places. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one that sticks out in memory was that uh, I was in some kind of a, a ship. I, I would guess it was like a, like a, a single person ship. I, I, was, I was wounded. I was losing a lot of blood. And there was rumors of this, uh, this planet that was literally a cathedral. And um, a gentleman had built this machine and the machine apparently would allow you to um, upload your consciousness into this sort of like heaven mainframe. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, it was extremely real. I was not myself. I saw whoever I was in reflections. I was humanoid. Um, there was a, I guess, a priest or a, a, a caretaker who was there when I landed my ship. There were tons of derelict ships. So obviously this was like more than a rumor. People had heard about this. And, you know, in people's dying moments, they were trying to make it to this chapel. Um, The entire planet, strangely enough, had been uh, uh, terraformed by by brick and, and, and large blocks there was hardly anything organic left. It was essentially a, a plant that was a, entirely a church, this, this huge mm-hmm. chapel. 
And um, that was basically my last few remaining moments was trying to get close enough to this machine. And nobody even knew if the machine worked. It was only speculated. Um, I, I have a lot of very strange dreams that have those kinds of narratives where I'm, I'm someone else. And again, some, some of them take place, you know, here and now. Some of them take place two or 300 years from now. Some take place two or 300 years in the past. Some take place in the far, far, far future. Um, but some of the, some of the information that I get when I wake up, a lot of the stuff that I, I've written down has been stuff that I've been able to verify, stuff that I, I don't know how I know. Oh, I get yeah. that. I, I have answers to things that I have no idea where. Yeah, I remember a story he told me about about that. I, I don't remember the detail. You're going to have to... Wasn't there one you had... It's like in the last year you had mentioned something to me about... There was a specific detail that you learned in your dream and you woke up and you verified it. It, it, was, it was very strange. This was something that was... And again, though, a lot of the narratives are extremely, extremely elaborate. Um, this was, I would say, about 160 years from, from now. So it was set in the future. Um, this is whack. <laughs> we had turned, like, like, as a people, we had turned to this really bizarre form of, of warfare. And we had tried to replicate this uh, fungal parasite that was able to control ants even after they had basically been deceased. Mm -hmm. And it was this new form of warfare. Um, basically you could, you could run up and if someone was infected with this fungus, all they need to do was touch um, an opposing soldier and it would spread. So the problem was that it worked too well. And in a very finite amount of time, um, we were dealing with an, an epidemic of, of essentially the undead. Like a zombie type of thing. Right. They were all walking around in a fugue state. Um, they were all being controlled. And the only initiative or agenda these parasites have is, is, is basically just to, to replicate. You yeah. know, to find another host. Gotcha. You know, like most parasites. So Think uh, of all the zombie got... movies they've come out with, too. Ash, did they tell you how they take on their host? Because I had some that did contact me about that. They wanted me to tell people about it, but how do you tell people about it? I mean, nobody this believes was, you anyway. This was through the transmission of almost anything. It could be skin cells, uh, saliva, blood, um, anything. It was The way it was described to me in this vision or whatever you'd call it is that the 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 fungus was so advanced that it was almost holographic every single small piece of it contained all the information necessary to pass the fungus on do you feel like these are visions or warnings or something you're supposed to pass that information along you know i'm, I'm not sure and and that's i i mean i i do feel compelled as soon as I wake up to write as much information down as absolutely possible. Because I know, I know oh, when I got, con I'm sorry, when I oh, got right contacted, ahead. I was working with somebody that had spent his whole life being abducted. 
and he lived in Florida. And I actually met him because I was helping his uncle build an ongoing relationship with the Sasquatch that were living on his land. He had a 20 acre plot of hunting property. Mm -hmm. And after time had went by and he saw I could do certain things, he's like, you know, he had brought up something about a UFO and we were talking and he said, you know, I have this nephew, will you help him? And I said, I, all I can tell you is I can talk to him if I can, I will. He had been very aggressively abducted his whole life and it was not by the good ones. It was by the bad ones. And so I talked to him, I did some things, I made some contact with the ones that were harassing him. And after it it worked, I mean, I can't promise it's always going to work. All I can do is try. And it stopped. All the activities stopped. And he's stayed a friend ever since. I mean, it's been a long time. And he contacted me over a year ago. And he said, we have to talk. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, they're back. I said, what do you mean they're back? Like, it's literally been years he said, no, but these are different. These are really good. He said, I felt nothing but love from them. And I remember being on the ship and I never felt fear. I never felt pain. They didn't hurt me. But he said, Robin, you're the only one on this planet I have talked to. The only thing my uncle knew was that I had been abducted. He didn't know anything else. Yeah. He said, nobody knows this happened except you. And I said, okay. And he said, they told me that they wanted a message to the woman that helps me with this and that stopped the ones from hurting him. And I said, okay, what's the message? And I'm just thinking it's something, you know, cause I get messages through various channels. People get hold of me all the time right. and I wasn't too concerned about it. And they went into this whole thing on how they take possession of people. And they said that, you know, I was supposed to come forward with this, that they wanted our people to know because it's getting worse and it's happening more and more. And we needed to be aware of it. Yeah. But you and- forgot, didn't you, Robin? No, I didn't forget what they said. In fact, I still have it written down somewhere in this mess. But okay. the thing of this is, how do you get people to believe it? And and I was getting ready to say something to my friend, Don, about it. And he said, well, before you say anything, he said, they wanted me to tell you that people are, are not going to believe you. But you have to be determined and you have to tell them anyway, because it's going to, it's it matters. And it really matters. Like, you have to do this. You know, I don't know how, you know, people aren't going to listen. Like I briefly, you know, on different shows, I said, yeah, you know, they told me a few things about it, but people aren't ready for a lot of that stuff. You know, the stuff that, and I don't know everything. I'm not an expert ever. I I tell everybody that, but I've gone through a lot with the cryptids and the ETs and I've been taught by them firsthand on a lot of things. And there's just as many things I don't know, but the stuff that I do know you know, I help a lot of people. I work with a lot of people and that's a good thing, but you can't Not everybody is ready to hear what you have to say. Like, I know how crazy I sound at times, you know, I'm fortunate that the people that I help and that I work with, you know, believe I'm credible based on the fact my stories never change and I've been able to prove it to them. Ash, do you still ever have, um, do you still ever wake up with that goo on you? Uh, no. Okay. No, that um, hasn't probably been in a few years. Okay. Now that, that goo, when they had me, and I didn't even have a cough. They're like trying to induce coughing to get this out of my lungs. 
and yeah. it, when they tested it. Now, r- the weird thing about it is right after I got released from the hospital, the cryptids came down with the same thing. And we never knew what to call it. We just called it the black tar disease because that's what it looked like was black tar. It was all yeah. sticky and it looked like tar. You know, oh, yeah. sometimes it was a little bit lighter, but that's what it looked like. I mean, I didn't know what to call it and I couldn't get anything from a doctor because nobody could figure out what it was. Yeah. But the, the Sasquatch got it too. And some of the dogmen. And the thing is, because the DNA on the Sasquatch and the dogmen, I worked on the DNA studies and I turned in DNA from some of mine and they are human hybrid. They really and truly are. And mm-hmm. so because of the human lineage, it affects them like it does us. Like when they had COVID and that, they got it as well. I mean, we weren't the only ones. But when it came to this tar stuff, they literally, they would get it in their lungs. And I do the healing and my husband and my other friend are also telepathic along with myself. And so they would get hold of either them or myself. And then, you know, I have to get all this stuff out of their lungs. It was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. Like there were days that there would be so many, I couldn't sleep because this was going on all the time and they all had the same thing. And it was all the same black gooey stuff. And then after about three or four months, it just stopped. The only, and, and, and this is again, an, an impression that I got from one of these sort of like lucid experiences was that whatever this that that stuff was, um, it, it I got the impression that it was something about that it actually carried packets of information with it. Wow. It was almost like some kind of bizarre organic floppy disk. This goo was. Yeah, that it gave information. It's incredible. And it also carried new information from whoever had it once once it was extracted. You can't make this stuff up. Like it, this is I wish just, you could, but you can't. I mean, just the imagination of even trying to come up with this stuff would ju- it's just too too far out there you know like it's it's crazy i can't yeah, I, that, that was the impressions that, that i that i was getting from from things that i was you know seeing during these episodes anyways now did you have any effects from it like did you get sick like this stuff almost killed me um not so much it was um I, I will say I had extreme, and, and this was also because I was probably running around for hours a night doing God knows what. Um, I, I was suffering from extreme fatigue. Um, and especially for my age at that time, I should not have been suffering from that kind of fatigue. Well, the thing is, is that, and you, I'm sure you already know this, dream state is every bit as real as yeah. when you're awake. There's no I difference agree. in it. You can be yeah. killed in it. You can be hurt in it. I mean, you already know this. but like they pull us out pat and i get pulled out all the time like two nights ago or was last no night before last pat and i were both pulled out we got up in the morning i was so exhausted i could barely sit up he came out of work and he didn't have a lot to do that day at work he came home he was asleep by six o'clock you know i mean we're exhausted we're bruised we're bloodied you know wake up with wounds and you know gasping for air and all kinds of stuff yeah oh it is it's absolute insanity 
you know, and it's like, what in the world just went on? Very few times do they let us let as far as Pat and I go. Um, we don't get to remember a lot. Pat doesn't usually remember much of it. I get bits and pieces. The other thing is too, and I don't know if you've experienced this as well. There's a way to tell in the dream, the people that look human, there actually is a way to tell if they're an ET that shapeshifted. Okay. They, what, and this, I already knew this before they told me it as well and confirmed it. They literally watch us from the time we're born. Every memory we have is shared with them because they take the same memories that we have. They know, like, they know who your first grade teacher was. They know somebody that you passed in the, the aisle at Walmart. It's that in depth into the consciousness. They have access to everything that's in your head and they watch you and they monitor you from the time you're born. So when it gets to the point where they're really invading you, even in a dream state, you're going to get people that it's like, why is this person in my dream? I haven't known him since I was a little kid or I passed him in the aisle at the store and they have no significance to me. And now they're in your dream. Right. But what happens is they can imitate how they look. They can imitate the body movements. They literally suck at doing the voices. So what happens with the voices is instead of a fluid conversation, it's broken. Yeah. It's it short periods of it. And they don't like to look at you when they do it. And they're much quieter. And that's how you tell the difference in them. I had one, my grandmother passed away many years ago. We are excessively close. And I had this very vivid dream. And all of a sudden she was there. And I thought this was really weird because, you know, I talk to, to spirits for people all the time. You know, I've talked to ghosts. So did my mom. And my grandmother has only come to me a couple of times. And I'm thinking, why is she in dream state? You know, this makes no sense to me. And so I'm following her and I'm noticing the voice distortion and, you know, how it, what did sound like her was just very few words. It was not a fluid right. sentence. And I'm watching all this and that's how I figured it all out was because what they were doing with her and she went into this house. So I followed her into this house and she turned around and looked at me and she turned down a hallway and I don't know what made me think to look the opposite way. I did. And when I looked into this room, there was this being that was there and he literally threw, it looked like a wave of energy and you could see it coming at me. And I was taught by the cryptids, how to move energy, throw energy, zap, those kind of things. And so when he did it, it was a natural reflex. I didn't even realize I was doing anything at the time. And I just automatically did this back at him like they had told me and it literally like blew him all over the place literally it was crazy mm -hmm. but that's how I I mean I, I really I figured it out because I was getting attacked in dream state and I was waking up either the one time I was so terrified I wasn't coming out of that bed under the blankets for anything and I called my friend in Pennsylvania who's had dealings with the ETs before and I'm like just all I want you to do is just talk to me I just need a sane voice you know, until I get over this hump and then I'll be okay. And then I got mad. Once I got mad, it was better because once I got mad, now I'm picking apart every millisecond that went on and I'm figuring things out, which I'm sure was not what they had planned. And it, there's usually like the short window when I wake up of memory before it's removed. Right. 
you know, and then I'm, I'm like frantically writing things down and trying to remember it and things. And so just over time, you know, I was getting bits and pieces. Well, then once you get the bits and pieces and you realize this is what they're doing, you can, you know, literally stand up to them in a dream state where, you know, you just kind of take yourself out of the situation and you're like, okay, I'm not playing this game with you anymore. And I finally got relief, took that stand. But in the beginning, I didn't know you could do all that. You know, I mean, it's like trial and error. Right. Yeah. I did it. I had an encounter with the devil. (laughs) I'm being serious. It was really cool. I had one that came up when I was in Michigan at one of the houses I lived at and it came up through the back of the property and it had these big red eyes. It was glowing. It was massive. This thing was like a 20 foot tall, whatever the heck it was. Definitely wasn't a Sasquatch and came up and I knew it was demonic. And there's, there's a massive difference between evil and demonic. And so I knew it was demonic and I did what I had been taught to do and I got it into the woods and by that point you know i mean you can talk to the angels like you can talk to everything else and archangel michael said that it was dealt with and i never saw it again but yeah that was creepy you know it's just it's like i've helped people that have had demonic entities on them before and i don't do it unless i have no option because that stuff is it just is really bad and i had a being come to me like in physical form i was wide awake and According to the cryptids, I'm what they call the key, okay? I'm sure I'm not the only one on the planet, but that's what I'm called, and I have certain things I'm supposed to do, and it's why all these crazy things go on with me and why things want me dead. And so this thing shows up at my house, and it originally looked like a Sasquatch. And he's like, you're coming with me. And at the time, we had thought, you know, the people that I work with in this, we thought he was one of the good guys, but he always felt off, like mentally Mm -hmm. not balanced to me. And he said, no, you're coming with me. And he said, we need the key. And I said, for what? I'm not like a key to a door. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, that for the underworld. And I said, well, you can die trying, buddy, because it ain't happening. And it didn't. But, you know, I mean, this stuff is real. People, I don't think, realize just how real it is, unfortunately. But yeah, it's, it's like, I, and the stuff that you get on camera, it, like, defies logic. Now, we were having instances while we were shooting where things were happening. Um, for example, there's uh, some footage near the beginning of the film where we're doing some test footage with Sean and a colander flies off the wall. So that was the stage, by the way. That's okay. Nice. Like that actually happened. We brought him in because in the beginning we were trying to figure out who was going to, you know, play some of these characters that we had. And we had someone that we had wanted for Sean. And I said, well, let's bring him in, but let's not, um, let's not make a big deal out of it. We're not going to set up our lights. We're not going to, you know, mic him up. We're just going to put a camera in front of him and see how organic it is. And, in the middle of us going through some of these beats that he was going to hit, like the, the column that we had, you know, nailed to the wall, literally just sprung well, off the wall about six or seven feet in the middle of the floor. Um, and, and he thought it was rigged because he thought we were trying to get a genuine reaction out of him. <laughs> so the reaction you see, strangely, 
is the actual reaction because it, it, it happened at the time. We weren't even going to use it. Then later on, we put it back into the film um, just because it was one of the, the real instances we had. We had talked about, you know, when and where we were going to introduce some of the uh, problems of electricity. And as we would be in conversation about when we were going to do that particular thing, the lights would start flickering. So it, it was a very weird, almost like a, a thought form kind of thing, where yeah. as we were talking about incorporating things into the film, a lot of those things were actually happening on camera. Um, so there are a few genuine you know, pieces of activity that we did catch, um, which again is, is, is very strange, but. Well, I had no, said I, to I, my, to Pat, I said, you know, because he said, you know, I wonder if this is real or if it's like they had done with Travis, you know? And right. I said, I don't know, but I do know this, whether this is legitimately, legitimately a person that had this experience somebody's had these experiences and it's been a copulation of it. One of the two, but there are stuff in there that I, and I told him, I said, I will go to my grave that happened because I know in my heart, in my soul, that this stuff does happen. You know, not everything that was in there has happened to me. Of course not. But there were things that resonated really strongly with me. And I told Pat, I said, I, you know, I've seen abduction films, you know, I've never felt, <clears throat> excuse me, so strongly that I needed to talk to somebody. Yeah. It, it was really odd. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I really do. Oh, no problem. Um, but may I ask you a question? Yeah. It, this probably means nothing to you, but whatever this is that will not get out of my head, it's not going to stop till I ask you. In between the age of four and five, what happened to you? Well, that is very interesting that you would happen to uh, to ask that. Because it's nagging me, and they keep showing me this small child that has nothing on but underwear. I've never so, had anything show me that. Um, I, I grew up in uh, rural Illinois as well, even though I ended up moving to Chicago and, and Colorado and New York and moved around for quite a while, but um, through grade school up to high school I was in rural um, Illinois when I was a, a child um, we're talking you know a, a toddler up until I think age oh geez like age seven seven or eight <clears throat> we had a, a house in a little cul-de-sac which was the last street in town and we were totally surrounded by cornfields with the exception of behind the house was the old junior high school that had not been used for like 10 years. Now they had not tore the building down and there was still a playground there. So for us being feet away, you know, what felt like feet away, it was a backyard yeah. and then a little tiny area. And then this playground, it, it was great for us kids because we were there or, you know, parents could still see us. Um, so my room when I was young, when I, when we lived in this house, it was in a, a small town called Fairmount, Illinois. Um, my, my window faced the school and it, it faced the playground. So when I was 
about four or five. Um, I have the very distinct memory of waking up and looking out that back window and wondering why there was a child out there. And this was two or three o'clock in the morning. And I just kept thinking to myself, it, it was strange because as a child, you know, different things run through your head. It, it wasn't as bizarre as if I would be an adult and, and look outside and see a child playing at two o'clock in the morning. But I looked outside and I kept thinking, why can't I go out there and play? You know, somebody's allowing the child to play at two o'clock in the morning. And then certain things started to, to, to not make sense, even in my kid brain. One of which was, is there's a light directly above the kid that's shining on the kid. It's illuminating him. I can't see where the light's coming from. It's not on a pole. It's not anything. It's just feet above this kid's head. Almost. Did you see what he was wearing? I, I can't. That's strangely enough one of the details that I have no recollection of. The reason I'm asking you is this child that they're showing me is nothing on, but he has underwear on. He has blondish color hair and he's standing underneath a light. Yeah. And as you're talking, they're taught, whatever this, the ones is that, that did it said he won't be afraid of another child. Ugh. Yeah. I swear to God, I'm not. Ma- you can ask Tracy. I'm. Legit. They were trying to lure him out. Up. Yeah, and you, are you aware the, about the implant? I I don't think so. No. According to them, there is an implant, and they're saying it's something about under an arm. Like hmm. I, I think they're talking about the right side. But don't quote me on that one. And they said we can always find him. Like they don't necessarily, I'll be honest with you. They don't feel like the bad ones. Like there's such a big difference. Everything has an energy signature, everything. I don't care if it's a rock, a piece of paper, whatever, there's an energy signature to it. And so when it comes to them, they also have it good, bad, you know, like I've dealt with the phase that are supposed to be neutral, but really half the time aren't. You know, so I know all the different ways to feel the energy. And these ones actually don't feel bad, but they have never left you alone. No. They're never going to leave you alone. But they're talking about, like, under the armpit. And you may never, I'll be honest with you, and I'm not just saying this. Some of these implants, you can't get them on x-ray. You can't, nobody will find it. They won't. Like, I have one in my ear. That right as you go into the ear and start going down the ear canal, it's in there. I can feel it. They can't find it on an x-ray, but yet every time there's a flipping UFO in the air, it drains and it hurts and it hums. Well, every time. But yet I, I, they tell again, me. It's, it's interesting you should say that because I had for years a number of re- recurring calcifications on my right side. Um, <laughs> around my arm my shoulder oh. um even to the i point told you i'm a freak at, you guys have been chipped at, at one point there was so much inflammation that they were actually shocked that they saw the inflammation on an x-ray yeah jesus and the thing is is they aren't always going to get these devices 
even if you were to get it out, the one thing I do know, because I've helped the, the Sasquatch get a lot of them out, some of them, not all of them, because I haven't dealt with all of them. I don't know everything. But some of these are actually like a live thing. And if you, once they get out, and I've noticed this with the Sasquatch, that some of them, when they get out, if they try to touch them, if they try to get, touch them in any way, it's almost like they go right back in. It's like they're alive. The yeah. only way you can kill them is if you zap it with enough energy to basically fry it. Now, my friend in Florida, Don, his, I have a picture of the x-ray of his. His showed up on an x-ray. And they've gone in and tried to remove it, and they can't remove it because every time they go near it, it moves. Yeah. Yeah. It moves, yeah. I've heard that. I've the heard only that. way you can get them out of the Bigfoots is if you use energy and push it with the energy. You can't actually physically get your hands on the bloody thing. Now, what they're showing me is your right upper arm under towards the armpit and all like back between the middle of your armpit back to the shoulder blade. Yeah. And because they were talking about, you know, they can track you anywhere you go, but they were, they keep showing me and I don't know why, like I wasn't trying to talk to them. They just, whatever. But now my heart's racing. Um, which is normal when this stuff goes on. But this this boy, he's a thin-built boy. He's got blonde hair. It's not real short, but it's not long by any means. It right. was kind of the kind of haircut for that time period. Yeah. And he, But he's in his underwear, which I don't understand. I've, they've never, hand to God, have they ever showed me a kid that was in their underwear? I, I don't understand that at all. But he's in his underwear, and he's standing, and this light is coming down from the sky, and it's coming down over the top of him. Yeah. And he's standing out in what looks like the middle of a yard. Yeah. And he looks to be four to five years of age. Yeah, he was my age. And that was, I think, you know, there were certain, again, there were certain things about, like, I can remember a couple of things clearly. One of which was, I want to go out and play with that kid. Mm -hmm. Because there's a kid outside that's my age. And I'm awake. And somebody's left their kid outside to play. Why am I not playing with that kid? And then at one point, I get this sensation. And it's, it's, it's a very strange sensation. But sometimes, like, when children can tell if another child has, like, a, like an illness. You're connected to this kid. Whatever they did, you are connected to that kid now. But is he a real kid, though, Robin? No, he wasn't. He wasn't. It's you know they can shape shift anything they want, and I've actually seen them do it. And how's he connected to him if he's if he's not a real child? Because they attach themselves to you in a conscious level, and they are attached. And it's it's not it's not an attachment where like you get these really dark entities, you know, because like I go in and remove those off of people all the time. It's not that big of a deal. But when the, the ETs do it, they attach to you through that consciousness. They oh. literally, every thought you have, everything that goes on in your life, it's like a database, like a computer system. And they're tapped into that same computer system. So the kid was what? Like a. It was, was an he... ET. It was okay. an alien. I got That's you. what it was. But they shape shift. And what they said to me when they showed me this child, and then. Ash was talking about seeing this child and they said, 
we did that because it would be less frightening for him. Of course. They really, I've noticed with the kids, they really don't want, some of them, I mean, the mean ones don't care, but the nicer ones, they really don't want you to feel that fear. Like when they took me in May, these ones that were standing in my room, there was three, there's two past the end of my bed by my armor and one that came out of, I have an attached bathroom and it came out of that. And the crazy thing about it, like I've had ones where I've been badly abused in them that were frightening, but I've never had any that traumatized me like this one, but yet I felt nothing but love from them. Like literally I, I didn't feel. Well, you fear. said that was because you didn't feel like you existed. No, the, the, yeah, the trauma came from the non-existent part. Yeah. Yeah. And I they the were trauma. actually the one that helped me get my memory back about it. Okay. They showed up the next night and they were trying to get me to get my memory back. And I got to the part where I didn't exist and I literally started hyperventilating. And I mean, there, it takes a lot to really get me shook up in this stuff because I've gone through so much. I mean, Tracy, you know mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And it, I've been taken so many times that I don't really freak out to the no, level. She actually that talks I about should. it like it. She talks about the cryptids and Bigfoot like they're her next door neighbors, and you know <laughs> all these experiences the like it's going to the store to go shopping. You know, <laughs> yeah. And people and, are probably like, "This woman sounds like she's batshit crazy." Oh, I know. You know? I have a friend of mine. That stupid movie that I did with Jason Kenzie. I mean, mm -hmm. I was never supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. I I didn't care anything about doing that because I didn't know him if it's somebody I know I don't care but I didn't know this person but my friend Chad is the one that was financing him to do it he does all these different documentaries all over the place mm -hmm. and he's done a good job I guess I don't know and very nice person but all mm. I was supposed to do was take Chad out in the woods he he's always telling <laughs> me you know, you're bad yeah yeah you're batshit crazy but you're just crazy enough where there's all truth in it and then what you say happens well, it's and also so I, the people you're connected to. I mean, it, it's like the way you, you can sit there and tell the same incidents or, you know, occurrences that have happened to you 20 times. It's, it never changes. I mean, no, it's always, because I can't change the truth. You know, you rattle things off. Like it's like a memory. I mean, it's just like, you're yeah. just like, they're scratching your head. Like, and, but you know, then you know that this stuff's happening from all the accounts all across the entire world for how many, yeah. you know, generations now, you know, written accounts of it. You know, it, it just, it, I mean, it's real. The stuff's happening. Yeah. Well, so we went out. Chad wanted me to just take him out. That's how the whole thing started. He wanted me to take him out in the woods, show him what I do. I said, you, you're not listening to me. I don't do anything. All yeah. I have to do is show up. I can find the cryptids, whether they're cloaked or uncloaked, because I can find their energy signature. I can also visualize them when they're cloaked because they show me their images in my head. You know, if I talk to people that are dealing with them, you know, like the guy yesterday, I had a new client that I started working with yesterday and he had some traumatizing things happen and then he had some good experiences with them. All I have to do is focus on it and they start talking to me. If they'll talk to me, I can hear them. Not everything will. But when I hear it, when they talk, they, they show me what they, some of them will show me what they look like. Yeah. And so he just wanted me to go out in the woods. I said, just go have a bonfire and sit on your butt and just talk to them. If they want to converse with you, they're going to come forward. And he's dragging me around the woods at night, you know, which whatever. And we had all kinds of activity. It was off the charts. In fact, it scared Jason Kenzie. He about peed his pants. It was hysterical. And I'm like, I told you. Imagine you Ron know. Moorhead when he was out there for the first time hearing those Sierra sounds, those things. Ron I mean, that was the best. Ron is Love the best. It. 
I love Ron. I haven't talked to him in a couple months. Usually he calls me and he'll say, can you help me with this? He said he sounded like there were giants in the woods around him. I mean, this guy is nuts. Yeah. Have you ever had any experiences with Dogman or Bigfoot or any kind of cryptids? Anything like that? Not so much that. Um, Yours is more supernatural, like spiritual and ET, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would say that. And, and again, the last two or three years specifically has just been uh, all of these these episodes and, and this bizarre sort of lucid dreaming. And it's, it, mm-hmm. you know, now it's the point where I, I think I have hundreds. So it's wow, been very well, strange. I'm going to say something and then we don't have to talk about it. If you ever want to talk about it later, you you can get my number from Tracy. And to begin with, I know how crazy I sound. Okay. I, I know. <laughs> She's but aware. I, I'm very aware of it. Okay. She's self-aware, I mean, Ash. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you can talk to Tracy. I'm, I'm not this crazy person. Well, but I, don't, I don't get the impression that you're crazy. Your involvement in this. And you probably already know this, and I'm just passing on the information that I'm getting from them. It's much bigger than you realize. Okay, there's a lot of things at play. There's a lot of things that are going on right now. There's a lot of things that are going to be going on in the future. You are part of it. But why are they choosing certain people? Do you know? Do you have any feeling for that? Well, it's like, you know, according to the Sasquatch, it goes by what's in your heart. It goes by, even if like you're a person that has had a really rough life and maybe you've, you know, done some things, questionable things with the law or whatever, but your actual soul in your soul, you're a good person. You're a kind person. You know, you may think that you're not because of the questionable choices that you've made in your life, but inside of you, these things, whether it's the cryptids or the ETs or whatever, they know you better than you will ever know you. But are they only drawn to the good people? The bad ones want the bad one, the bad people, but, and they would also like to change the good ones. You know, you have that issue too, but a lot of them, when they use you, like they're going to want to use Ash and they already are. That's why he wakes up so tired. He's been getting used for a very, very long time. According to them, it goes all the way back to when he was a teenager and all they've done is groom him and train him. That's why he gets pulled out at night. That's why all these crazy things and as he gets older, he'll probably get more lucid dreams that he knows he can remember more and more and more because mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's a progression. And I could be wrong, Ash. I don't know you from Adam. You have no idea who I am or how legitimate I am, but this is what I'm being told. Right. And so as this thing progresses, it's going to, it's just going to keep going. It's, it's like a runaway train. It doesn't stop. It, you know, it'll go in streaks, but it's going to continue. But there is a bigger picture to all this. And I will say this, the ones that did this with him, and I'm not saying that bad ones haven't come his way because he has been attacked by bad ones before. Primarily the ones that are doing all this, they want him to help in the bigger battle. That's what it's going to yeah. come down to. And it already is. Talk about That's why he's exhausted. I mean, I, I, I know that at one point, um, and this is something that has affected my son too, his name is now 10. Is that um, my my grandmother had this very strange obsession with owls? There were <laughs> owls everywhere in her house. Uh, there was a room dedicated everything. to it, which um, I would get full blown panic attacks 
walking into this room and it was you know nothing that was sinister you know these weren't you know, evil-looking owls. They were just owls, ranging from pendants to statues to paintings, but they were all over the place. And about, I would say, three or four years ago, we moved um, into a new place, and we were putting paintings on the wall. And my wife had a, a painting that was given to her of an owl, and my son had a, a full-blown meltdown um, to the point where we had to take the painting off the wall and that wasn't even good enough for him we had to actually paint the eyes close oh wow wow now did he see something in these owls at her at is it, was it the grandmother's um no this was just a painting from someone else a friend of my wife's but no but i mean never... originally all the owls were at his well, they grandmother look, they resemble et's in the sense in the face well, you know, what's weird is one of the Sasquatch that were with us in Michigan when Jason did that documentary, not the one that he had just me talking, but the other one, I was sitting there and I had the, the night vision goggles and mm -hmm. I had just got done watching the one that was sitting like 10 feet from me on the ground and he's like blinking his little eyes and he's trying to pretend he's not there type thing. And there was one that I was talking to through MindSpeak that was the other direction. I was talking to him. I went to turn around and there's this this Bigfoot there, and he's like got to be anywhere from ten to twelve feet tall. He's massive, and he's really close to me. And you could he was cloaked, but when you look through the night vision goggles, when they're cloaked, you can see them. They'll they'll show up. They really do. Right. And so I go to and I'm like looking up and looking up and looking up, and he had this black face, but all around his eyes, it was like it was white, and he reminded me of an owl. I'm like, is this a Sasquatch or is it Owl Man? That's an <laughs> Illuminati symbol too. Like that's supposed to be something that's yeah. used to be a cult. So yeah. go ahead, Ash. What what did you what were you saying about your son though? You you were saying that you it was it a painting of an owl that your son was afraid of? Um, right. He was afraid of the painting, and, and it was it was it was specifically the eyes. Um, he wanted us to immediately paint the eyes closed. It wasn't enough that we took the the painting away. He knew the painting was still in the house and that the eyes were open. So we had to actually paint the eyes closed so that he could not see the eyes. Bless his heart. You don't now, think he's having had... abductions, do you? We had some, there's been some very strange activity surrounding my son. Um, Jeez. For the longest time, there were a, a lot of instances where we would hear conversations. He was having a conversation in his room. He would pause as if there was another side of the conversation. He'd pick the conversation back up. Oh, there God. were times where it got very intense. We could hear him get argumentative. We could hear him then start laughing. Um, there was one instance where um, the house we were in, the living room, his bedroom was right off the living room. And I was watching TV probably around like 12 to, to, to 1 in the morning. And he didn't have a traditional TV. He had a projector that we had mounted, you know, on the ceiling so that he could watch cartoons and would mm -hmm. take up one wall. So as I'm sitting <clears throat> in the living room, the doorway's positioned where I can, I can see the projected image on the wall, but I can't see his bed. But I can see that he's bouncing up and down in his bed. 
And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, it took me an hour to get this kid to go to sleep. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> One o'clock in the morning, he's bouncing on his bed. And I can very clearly see his silhouette bouncing up and down the bed. So I, I get to the point where I'm like, you know, I've got to go in there. I've got to calm him down or else he's going to wake me up in an hour from now because he's still going to be up. And as I get into his room, I see, you know, his silhouette suddenly just, you know, crouch down, you know, like he's going to pretend he's asleep. But when I get in the room, he's out. He's snoring. Because it wasn't him. Oh, that's weird. These things all plot together. Do you think they were trying to lure Ash into the room by pretending it was? No, it's trying to make friends with him. Did Ash, has he ever had any like bad experiences or just the ones where like he's talked and that kind of thing? He's because... talked about a, a child. Um, and it was interesting because he would talk about this child quite a bit. And at one point we said, well, what does the child look like? And he goes, oh, he's. He's 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 just like me, only he's blue. Yeah, because it's an alien. Wow. They're doing they're doing the same thing. What I'm getting is not that, and this doesn't mean that there aren't other ones that would come, but that one is not an aggressive type. And they're also saying that they keep an eye on your son because they're going to protect him because of you, not from you, but because right. you are whether you call it in the fold or whatever you want to say. But the bad thing about it, and I know this only because of what my children have experienced, you know, every time there's good, there's also the bad. And the flip side of it is, I mean, the good part is that you're on the right side of things. You know, you're, you're working for the good guys. The bad thing is the bad guys don't want you to. Yeah. I mean, I don't know right. how to put it in a more technical term, to be honest with you. I mean, really. And so you have problems. Like when my daughter got attacked, I have energy bubbles all over this property. So it's very difficult for anything negative to get in. Now, when they do get in, and there's been several times they have, a lot of times they come in in either a mechanical or a hologram form. So that they really are not physical in the home, even though they can do things in the home. Mm-hmm. And last December, when they were here, this was after the UFO videos that we got. And I was in my room, which is on the first floor, and my son-in-law was standing on the porch. And Caitlin, my daughter, was out there, and she was going, you know, they won't stop, they won't stop. And so Ryan hollered to me and I went out there and I said, what's going on? And she said, mom, I just, these images, they keep showing me these images. They're going to take me. They're going to do this. They're going to do this. They're going to do this. And she said, I just want it to stop. And I heard movement in the bushes and right outside where my property is, you could see three of these beans. And then she just grabbed her head and, and fell collapsed into the chair on the porch. And she's like, mom, make it stop. They're hurting me. They're hurting me. They're hurting me. And I looked at Ryan and I said, get her upstairs. And I said, put your hands on her. Do the energy bubble like I taught you guys to do. Like mom teaches everybody these things and nobody mm-hmm. does it because, you know, mom will do it. I'm like, get her in there, get your hands on her and do what I told you to do. He's like, well, I'm not leaving you out. I said, just get her upstairs. Like I'm not coming in the house, get her upstairs, which he did do. And that pushed it off of it because when you have a pure energy, which as you actually do, 
So when you take your energy and you push it into, per se, like your child or around or whatever, um, and there's ways to do it, what it does is anything bad, it basically has the effect of if you were to go grab, sopping wet, go grab a hot wire fence. And that's what it does. But if it's a good entity, it does nothing. It basically fries into cinders. And so I do a lot of work with teaching a lot of people all over the, the globe how to do this stuff. I mean, there's a ton of people that can do it. If I can do it, a chimp can. But the thing of it is, is he went up and did that. And you can actually take the energy from your body and basically blast these things. They're just as fragile as we are, but they have a lot of ways that they can protect themselves. So two of them got taken down. The other one, I couldn't get to the other one. The other one was gone. Like that thing took off like a, a shotgun. And they never came back. If they came back, I haven't seen them. And Caitlin hasn't seen them ever. But she was exhausted afterwards. But they come to her all the time. And she used to when she was little, like when the spirits would, you know, she'd be watching TV and she'd look over, there'd be spirits next to her bed. And she's like, my mommy's across the hall. Go there. Like, I don't want right. to talk. I don't nice want to her. talk. <laughs> yeah. And now that she's, you know, 21, all the cryptids are coming forward and they're like, she needs to be ready to carry on when you're gone. And I'm like, she doesn't want this. She wants no part of it. Like she enjoys watching the Bigfoot. Really does. <laughs> well, yeah. she enjoys seeing the Bigfoots and the Dogmen and, and she's, you know, it's cool to see the, the UFOs above the house all the time and, you know, that kind of thing. But she doesn't want to do the work. And to be honest with you, I don't want her to. Yeah. I've almost gotten killed too many times. I don't want that for her. Right. I mean, I've lost friends. I've lost family. I've lost everything because of the crazy stuff that happens to me. I have a son that I buried because these things killed him. Mm -hmm. I don't want my kid to go through that. Obviously she has abilities, but she has no idea what she has and she doesn't know how to use them. I mean, I can show her, but she wants no part of it. She's seen what I've gone through. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, after that, she's kind of waking up to the fact of, okay, like, I need to listen more to what mom's saying. I mean, she believes it 100% because she's experienced it. And so now they're, they're pretty good at when, you know, crazy things go on upstairs or things start moving through the room or whatever. You know, they know how to, to bubble themselves and it helps. But people don't realize that, and I say this all the time, I sound like a broken record, the world that everybody sees never existed. It's a fallacy. Oh, yeah. It's what the government created for everybody to believe in. It never existed. And people, you know, like Ash, just like you, you made this documentary. I applaud you because people need to see this stuff really does happen. It okay. does happen. People die over this stuff. You know, people are taken They're over this stuff. There's a lot of missing people. Oh, yeah. You know, and everybody's like, did the Bigfoots do it? Did the Bigfoots do it? Well, David Pilates has his stuff out. I think David <clears throat> believes that <clears throat> most of it is the ETs. That's what he does. Well, it is, except there is one case that he now knows for a fact wasn't because when I watched the film, the one that did take the boy, which was a Sasquatch, yeah. came forward yeah. and said, you need to contact his parents and let them know we didn't do it out of malice. And I'm like, how am I supposed to do that? I don't know well, these people. Justify that. Yeah. And so like doesn't matter years, what they did it out of, you know. Yeah, but two years later I met somebody and he brought up David Pilates and I said, Well, 
you know, I've had to deal with David, you know, with the Sasquatch Genome Project. And Talk and me more and more about that, the Sasquatch. It's like, according to the genetics, when we did it for um, the Genome Project on the Sasquatch, that's a, uh, it's a hybrid. The right. mother's side is human. The father's side is an ET. Now, in the, the Genome Project, it's listed as unknown because the database that all the scientists have access to will not show the alien DNA. The only thing that can get into that is people with high classifications that can get into right. the government, you know, to do it. Right. So it's listed as, as not uh, as unknown. But then when I asked, before I ever knew about the project, I just asked them. I mean, I figured they always knew what they were. And they, you know, pointed to me, said, well, human like you, and pointed at the sky and said, star people. It's like, okay, there you have it. But then when you go to the dogman, then you have a three-way split. You have human canine net right lizard man is lizard human et everything has it three-way split and then the government is creating hybrids at the same time now we have it on um solid sources from different people with con with alien connections that they're continually dropping more off all the time and the bigfoots generally warn me about stuff before it hits in case i have to encounter it but the, what the government is creating is far worse than anything the ets do and I have two contacts that actually were put on a cryptid force that their job was to locate and kill cryptids. And they were there during the creation of some of these things that have now been cut loose that are deadly. God. But then they got out of it because what they were doing was the government wants the, the Sasquatch dead. They just want right. them gone. Right. You know. And so what they do is they have these task forces and, and people go into it and they get on these task forces because they believe they're, they're for the greater good. You know, they're going to help civilians. They're going to help save our people. And the one friend, when she was on it, she got sent into all these areas to kill cryptids. And she said the sad thing was they weren't doing anything. They weren't hurting anybody. Yeah. yeah. They had just been sighted. That's all it was is there had been a sighting. And so that's why I get so protective, especially like BFRO, and I'm not knocking them. I don't agree with them, but I don't knock them. Everybody is entitled to their beliefs. But the government, they have that big database, and that's great, but they've made it public. And the government goes in and looks at this database, which is the same thing they do with MUFONs, and that's how they track these things. That's how they find them and locate them and kill them. I get helicopters over. I used to be followed by helicopters all the time, and it's still on and off. It's not as bad, but they'll go over across from my house because there's like, you know, two, 300 acres of nothing but woods. And you see them out there at night, and they've got the beam shining down because they're trying to find them. Yeah, I've seen clips of people, the random clips where people have caught it on film, you know, where you, you'd actually see, like, you know, and a creature, you know, running away or whatever. And then the, the Oh yeah. Trying to get away. We yeah. had one night, there was, um, the people that own that property over there, they had let this group of hunters come over to, to shoot at raccoons at night, which I think is barbaric, but whatever. And they were over there looking for raccoons and they actually found a male, a female and a little girl child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the little girl was terrified. We were sitting in the house and it was like one o'clock in the morning. Janice Carter was here with her daughter and Pat was here, and we heard this terrifying scream. This poor child was terrified. And they were after her, and they had immediately contacted Pat and I because they wanted me to open her roof so that you know, she could get out, which I do a lot. And we got her out of there. But people up and down my whole block have seen them. 
Yeah. You know, and they've seen the ships. Like the one picture I have is that triangular craft over my garage and underneath of it is an open portal with a head coming out. That's crazy. You know, I've shown you that one. I think with Ash's film was fascinating because you said, I think that, well, between the goo and just wanting to get a hold of him because it was bringing back memory for you that you didn't know you had, you know, and that the yeah, suppressed was, memory, I thought that was pretty wild just yeah. from the film. That was pretty neat. Yeah. And like I said, not everything that happened on the film happened to me at all, but there was just enough in it where I said to Pat, I said, if this film isn't a hundred percent real, as far as the Sean person or what went on, mm-hmm. Somebody has had a lot of experiences because this is a collective of these. And this is, you know. Ash, you called, you said the one guy was Sean when you were talking, but you said he was a, is he a real character or not? Uh, no. So there is no real Sean. Okay. Because um, you said, so you were talking about the actor Sean and you said that. Right. Correct. Uh, okay, we, gotcha. Almost everyone in the film, we, we use their real names strangely enough oh okay i got gotcha. you um, and a lot of it was because we didn't use actors like these were all people that we knew and it was very yeah. again it was very strange because it was like this perfect storm where we put people that had no interest in acting in front of cameras but everything was so organic hmm. um you know there's a, a lot of parts of the film where it does not feel at least in my opinion it does not feel like acting. Yeah. You know, it's very good. Now, is that really your wife on film? That's really my wife, yeah. She's lovely. She's she got is. such a, a warm energy about her. She's really seems to be a very kind person. She is. Yeah, she, she's great. And she was, as in everything I do, very, very instrumental for me getting things done because uh, she's. I, I just much got the feeling. Than I am. She seemed to be very supportive. Oh, she is. Very. Yeah, I, I really, you know, and the thing is when I watched it, and like I said, I, I didn't really know what was, you know, true, what had been altered, you know, for the public viewing or whatever. Like, I mean, I knew there was a basis of truth there. That I right. believed with my heart and soul. But I wasn't sure, you know, as far as the rest of it. And it really isn't my business. I understand that. It's just that because it resonated so much, and I was like, I kept telling Pat, I just, I really for my own peace of mind. And like, I don't know why certain people I feel like I'm supposed to talk to. I never know. Things just happen. I don't want anything. I don't want to do anything. I just, I I just felt drawn that, you know, I was supposed to do this, but I got such a good feeling about her. And I just felt like she was so passionate and had so much compassion for the whole thing. But I remember thinking to myself and I said it to Pat, I said, I'm also empathetic. I'm an empath. And so I'm like, I'm getting all this feelings off of it. And I said, if nothing else, whoever this happened to, I just want to tell him I'm sorry. Like, I get it. You know, none of us ask for this. You know, we're not these crazy people that you see that run out there and say, E.T., beat me up or, you know, whatever. We don't ask for this. This is just who we are. This is what happened. You know, and people will say to me, how long have you been researching the cryptids or the ETs? And I'm like, well, when I start, I'll let you know. Right. You know, I'm not a researcher. I didn't set out for any of this. This found me. I'm grateful. I don't want to, I would never change my life. I've learned a lot. 
you know, you both are, you guys are both part alien. I'm talking to people that are part alien. I, we have it. I don't think really like, and I mean, I do believe in God. I'm a Christian. I believe in all that wholeheartedly, but at the same time, I personally, and this is my own belief, nothing to base it on. I think that, you know, nobody is pure Herman anymore. We have been so genetically modified. Yeah. You know, I, I think that to find anybody that does not maybe have a trace in there here and there, even if it's faint would be very difficult. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I can imagine that. Like when they did the, the, with the fetus on me, when they first started doing it, they were getting DNA and I knew they were because I was finding marks and it was in all these crazy places. And then I, I wouldn't, re- I never remembered them getting and extracting the DNA. I remember them trying to get me on a table. I remember times of getting away from them. I, you know, but I don't remember like you see these people that have all this pain involved. I never went through that. Mm-hmm. I, I've never gone through that. I've had pain after I woke up, but I've never had pain during whatever went on. And then, you know, like years of after doing this, now I'm like, I had already had five kids. My husband had a vasectomy. I hadn't cheated. And all of a sudden, I'm getting a pregnancy belly. And I'm getting morning sickness. And I'm getting milk. And all these things are going on. And I go to the doctor. And the, the urine test would come back negative. The blood test, he says, I don't understand this. How can you get an inconclusive pregnancy test on a blood test? Because mm-hmm. it shows your hormone level. But yet they couldn't figure out what was going on. They said it wasn't normal. And they did like three or four of them. They would do an ultrasound on it, an ultrasound machine. They could never get an ultrasound on it. But yet when he would go and check me, he's like, you have, your abdomen is the size of a five-month fetus. And I'm wow. like, yeah, tell me about it. You know, so what's going on? And yeah. it's, they were starting to do all these tests. And as they were getting ready to do the test, something would always go wrong. And then I wake up one day and my belly's flat. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I started getting intense pain in my uterus. And that went on for years. I even had my, you know, I had gotten remarried and I had children, but I was still having this intense pelvic pain. It was terrible. They finally, when they did the hysterectomy, I said, you know, did they find anything wrong? I didn't know if it was cancer or what it was. And he said, what we found, it looked like chocolate pudding and your entire uterus is filled with it. Oh, that's so gross. That's just And I was like, what is it? He said, I have no idea. He said, there's no odor to it. There's no nothing. It was, that's what was in it. He said, I sent it to the, to the five top labs in the country. And I'm like, okay. So I wait and I wait and they come back and they said, it's inconclusive. They have no idea what it is. They don't have anything to test it against. But then just like what happened, well, this was before I had all the black goose stuff. I go to get records. There's nothing there. There's, there's no records. I have the doctors that said, yeah, we did the surgery. We did this. We did that. We, we don't know where all the records are. We know we did it, mm-hmm. but there's no records. I would like to talk to both of you again because I had something happen the other night, which I would also like to talk about that I, I don't know if it does or not, but there seems to be this weird dogman connection. So no, You're because- going to wait for this story? Well, that's, that's the tease. That's the teaser. Come on. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We have sat here for an hour and a half talking, and you're going to end this on, oh, I'd like to talk to you guys again because there's a dog man connection. Uh, this oh, is oh, how okay. you're going to end this. Real, real, quick, real quick. Okay. 
So a lot of these visions, episodes, whatever that I have, if they take place in the past or in the future, it, it strangely enough, it, it's it, it might not represent the timeline that we're on now. There'll be weird differences, for example. So I had a very lengthy dream episode, et cetera, about this huge, basically extinction level event happening in the 1970s. And the problem was that um, genetically it was, it was, it was almost as if we had done something to the environment, which was conditioning our genes, Mm -hmm. but all the wrong switches had been flipped. Oh, jeez. And we were just all dying. And they started to get as many people as they... And it was very strange because they were so desperate that they were getting very different kinds of people together. Like, they were getting people who would be the equivalent of, like, Werner von Braun, but they were putting them in a room with, like, David Bowie, for example. They were just getting as many creative people together as they could to Mm -hmm. try to spitball and brainstorm anything revolving around how we could continue the species. Wow. And the answer ended up being transhumanism. We were starting to look at splicing human and animal DNA together. A lot of the ETs claim that's why they do it. Like the Evens. The Evens created dog people. And then you have other races that created them as well. You've got government that created the ones for military use, and then you've got some that were actually born in out of Egypt. But they do, and they seem to think that these hybrids are the answer of saving us. So you think, did you see anything else in the dream that, like, did, did you see, like, what the creatures look like, or? Well, what was interesting is that the dream went from the 1970s to the year 2170 in which there were no more conventional humans and the problem that they were having then is that because there was still an element of humanity there were still the typical problems there was a caste system and you know um, there was still war but we had done a couple of um, some tampering with their DNA where they were incapable of physically killing each other. Like if you look at the government right now, they are creating these hybrids. Yeah. And there's the one that the, the Sasquatch are worried about the most. This thing is unstoppable. They've only been able to kill one. They created them and then they were too powerful and they couldn't be killed. And they released them. They released them down in the Ohio Valley is where they were originally dumped. And now they've spread out over various parts of the United States. I know of at least two that are Michigan because a couple of my contacts that I've worked with for several years, his wife actually saw one. And when she saw it again, it had a, a baby with it. But this thing is created in such a manner they can't be killed. Like to get to the head, you have to go through a, a, a plate a 12 inch deep the plate egyptians on wrote side. about that what? The, egyptians, the egyptians wrote about that yeah but the thing is is that it's true 
And I a hundred percent myself think what Ash is getting, it's all the downloads of what's happening now and where it's going to end up. Like this is, this is huge, but he is on the good side. And what's happening is the good ones are working with him and he's going to be part of it. He's part of this whole team. Like, I it's fascinating put, he's getting downloads of all of it, though. And his, yeah, his I mean, dream, like he's getting all this information. Yeah. See, Wanda and Pat and I have been getting it for years. And like I said, I work with a bunch of the people that are all part of this team with the good ones. And they get connected either through the cryptids or directly through the ET connection. And there are a lot of races of ETs that are actually good that are trying to save our butts because we've buried ourselves. And they're trying to save us. You know, you still have the bad ones as well. And I and I could be wrong because I'm not perfect. I don't know it all. But this thing that talks to your son, I believe he's actually there to help him and protect him because you're going to you are at the end of the day. I believe you're helping protect everybody else. And so when that happens, they are really good. I mean, they look at things as everything is a unit. Everything is a collective. So if you are involved in it, they're going to protect everything that's around you. Where the bad ones, if you're involved in it, they're going to isolate you from everybody that you are surrounded by. Because then they can do the things that they want to do that aren't good. But the good ones actually help keep you together. And I think that's probably what's going on. I mean, we can talk more about it later if you want, yeah. Ash. But... And, and I, I definitely want to. I, I definitely want to. Well, you to. get, yeah, you get going. Yeah, take Go care of him. Um, and I told Tracy, if you want any pictures or anything, or if you feel like you want to even look, you don't have to by any means, but let me know. I'm happy to send them to you. Oh, I'd, I'd like that. No, I really would. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Well, I, 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 I had a, a great time. Thank you. And, no, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Touch. Hundred percent. I take say, well, care. Thank you so much. See you guys. Bye bye. Have a great night. You, you too. Bye bye. Well, there you have it, my wonderful listeners. I really hope you enjoyed this episode, and there will be plenty more to come. I hope you have a wonderful day, night, afternoon, whatever time zone you're in. I hope you guys are doing great and you are just, you know, prospering and you're blessed in as many ways as you possibly can be. I will be back soon. May God bless you and keep you and you guys all take care.